friends. It's true, you know. Personal, local, global wellness. You may now begin the course. The emotional response to love. It's awfully important. Is usually the result of a decommy family. A show of affection. Redefining what health means for you. And the real fundamental you. 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 Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Syndacy Wellness. Hosts the personal, local, global wellness show. Welcome. Hi, June. Everyone. Hello, Heidi. Welcome to the Personal Local Global Wellness Show hosted by Syndacy Wellness. Today we have Heidi with Sister Moon Herbals Apothecary and Ayurveda joining us to discuss vital women's health. I'm June Syndacy, a healthcare provider helping women move from emotional overwhelm and anxiety to a state of peace, calm, and comfort, teaching stress management skills using nutrition analysis to balance the gut microbiome paired with my counseling practice. I used to try to heal the world before I healed myself, but I believe our healing really ripples out, and that's why I named this show Personal Local Global Wellness Show. Without further ado, I'd love to introduce our guest, Heidi Harabi. She is an herbalist, yoga teacher, Ayurvedic wellness counselor who guides women to find their own healing powers. Heidi believes that each one of us has the ability to heal ourselves, that finding our lost connection to mother nature is key. I am so excited for this interview and honored to have Heidi on the show. I'm in a different space than I'm usually in, so I hope you'll be patient with us if we have any technical issues. And um, I'd love to start by having Heidi tell us a little bit about her background of what got her into doing this work. Thank you for the wonderful welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, what brought me to do this work? That's uh, a, quite a, a story. Um, and it started about 20 three years ago, when I was in my early 20s, um, I, I started suffering from bad bouts of anxiety and panic attacks. And uh, from somebody who had always been real independent, real strong, um, it was really debilitating. And along with that, I, I, I had a lot of gut issues. Um, and it was back and forth to the emergency room, back and forth to the doctors all the time. Nothing... Um, got diagnosed they oh it's all in your head you know um there's nothing wrong with your body it's just all in your mind and back then I was like well how can I have all these things happening in my body and it be only my mind um so long story short you know I I tried to go the traditional route I I got put on I think it was Prozac and maybe a couple other you know um Xanax and they just, it just didn't work for me. It just made things so much worse. And I thought to myself, I've got to figure this out myself. You know, I, I, nothing is helping me. Um, the talk therapy wasn't working. The pharmaceuticals weren't working. I've got to somehow take control of my own health. And um, I discovered herbs uh, was the first thing that I discovered. And um and then the journey just exploded from there. I, I started doing yoga. Um, I was able to calm my nervous system down to the point where I could 
try to figure out why this was happening to me. What's the root cause? What's actually going on with me that this is happening? Um, and, you know, I, I did develop OCD as well. So that was something I also had to overcome uh, on my own and still is a long journey. So that's how I got my start was through a little bit of trauma. So powerful. And Heidi and I were chatting a little bit before the show about how important it is. And oftentimes we can resonate more deeply with people who will walk us through the frightening path of healing that have been there before. And they know what it feels like to have to change their lifestyle, their habits, explain to their loved ones, this is what I'm really struggling with and not feel overburdened or a victim. I definitely resonate with feeling like my body betrayed me when I would excessively, excessively pull my hair or want to binge eat. Um, and, you know, insomnia, couldn't sleep. And I feel that it's so exciting and empowering to know there's many people who can walk us through and hold our hand into discovering a new way of inhabiting our bodies. So I'd love to start with a question around what is herbalism for dummies? History of herbalism, how it's helped you and how you help people see that. And I can say in my own life, um, it has been a huge part of my healing, herbalism. So I'd love to start with herbalism. Yeah, well, herbalism really is just simply the people's medicine. I mean, it's it's something that has always been there for us, um, but it has been largely lost, right? Um, it's it's old folk medicine, and you know you can't patent it. <laughs> um, and it can be as simple as going out into your yard and learning about your local weeds, because every plant has a purpose. And interestingly enough, um, what I have found in my own life is whatever you need the most is going to end up growing around you. Um, plants have th this, there's such a magic about them. There's such a magic in this world and the way that plants communicate with us if we are open to listening. And um, so herbalism is, is simply um, using plants to facilitate healing and um yeah and they're and they're everywhere they're they're all around us you know what i love is that you know going to an naturopathic doctor or um you know going to an herbalist even going into the supermarkets today herbs have become very popular using your superfood but oftentimes now people are sometimes disrespecting the plant because they're kind of taking too much of it or they're thinking it's going to be like, you know, a magic pill. And I have an example of herbs that I take every day to detox my liver, but it's in a little like capsule. So to me, it's like, I think people won't realize until they start um, going like there's this study that was done 40% of kids in the UK believe milk comes from the supermarket they don't know that it comes from cows and until we go back and get our hands in the dirt see that your doctor's telling you to take turmeric every day a lot of people have never seen the turmeric 
pill, or you're taking these capsules, um, DIM, you know, a lot of cruciferous vegetables and other things that doctors suggest for women with estrogen dominance that have just been compact into that pill or, you know, more of a synthetic form. And it's, it's really interesting because when you were talking about plants, it was making me think a lot of things that I'd love to chat on and see what your opinions are. Some people want these big bang experiences when it comes to healing rather than the gradual track it takes to really shift. And a lot of people want to take peyote, they want to take mushrooms, they want to take um, ayahuasca. And I think that one time taking a plant is going to just completely change them, which it can. I've experienced plants really having a big effect on me, but not valuing and seeing that every living plant has uh, energy, a life force, a story, a teaching. And my example is chaseberry tree, Vitex, which a lot of people use um, to help balance and regulate hormones. And I needed it because I am like a bit deficient. I think most of the U.S. is estrogen dominant right now because of our horrible food system. But helping kind of promote progesterone after ovulation and I just was like, oh, it's just a tincture, it's just an herb. And I was taking way too much of it. And on the second part of my cycle, my partner, two months in a row, was kind of like, what's wrong with you? I was so energized that I was shaking. And I was chatting with a friend and she said, you know, just because it's Vitex or Chaseberry Tree, you know, this, <laughs> this tincture doesn't mean it's not an herb with a life force of being that you know, deserves to be treated with respect, but also has its own frequency that if you don't go in with reverence in terms of starting to, you know, people take caution around pharmaceuticals, which we're going to get into, but I think that same reverence and respect needs to be taken around herbs. So I wanted to share a personal story of, you know, how much herbs have helped me, but also how I've disrespected them. Yeah, I, I think that's a common thing that happens. And it's, you know, we are largely as a society so disconnected from nature, right? And we're so used to seeing things in pills and, and different things. And we don't think about, well, where did, uh, where did the plant in this capsule come from? And what is the essence of that plant? What is the spirit of that plant? And, and um, you know, finding that or or refinding that connection with nature, I, I think is so important, um, especially when you're working with plant medicine and to honor and to respect the spirit of the plant. And, and you're right, every plant, there's not one plant that's more special than another one, okay? Some of the most powerful healing plants are the most common weeds in your yard. You know, you don't need some fancy exotic plant from halfway around the world to to facilitate a um, a grand healing in your in your body in your psyche even in your emotional body in your physical body it could be as simple as nettle it could be as simple as dandelion um, and so people yeah people often get caught up in the exotics right <laughs> oh we have to have ashwagandha or we have to have you know. Um, like you said, ayahuasca or, or peyote or something to take us into the spirit realm. But every plant can take you into the spirit realm. Every single plant can. And you that's know. what makes me sad is that people come in with this, I'll do a detox from before they take ayahuasca. Um, but 
and they, they come in with this reverence and anyone I was chatting with Heidi, I'd been in a dojo training center for four years and anyone who goes in with any experience with extreme reverence and presence will have a different experience of how they do anything. Drinking a cup of cacao in Mexico, hot chocolate, you're gonna have a different experience because you see people in white robes or, you know, and then they create the scene. And same for ayahuasca, if you pay thousands of dollars. But why aren't people doing that when they stop and take some turmeric or something right, else? Right. So I have this opinion on that <laughs> skewed perception. Um, and you, you had me think of a question. Um, I'll see if it comes. Well, here it is. What do you think are average herbs around people that they don't know the benefits of? Um, that, you know, I'm, I'm just starting to educate myself on milk thistle and how it detoxes the liver, estrogen dominance, people who suffer from those symptoms could benefit from it and other things. But milk thistle is not as well known. Something like oregano or chamomile. Yeah, so common, you mean common everyday herbs that might be in your kitchen that you have no idea is actually medicinal? Yeah. Is, okay, so while common sage is one, right? You know it as uh, one that flavors meat, right? We Everybody uses that for their Thanksgiving turkey, but it actually is really wonderful to help with hot flashes during menopause, and it's really wonderful for um, fighting colds and flus. So yeah, and thyme. Are, you know, a common time that's a wonderful antibacterial, antifungal, can also help with colds and flus. I mean, every single spice and herb that you cook with has a medicinal property, I guarantee it. Even cinnamon, you know, cinnamon can help regulate blood sugar, among many other things. Um, there's, there's just not any, uh, even black pepper, a very powerful digestive in Ayurveda, you know. Um, Everything, everything has has its purpose, um, and there's we just take them for granted because we're so used to using them. And ginger, ginger is another one that's a very common one. People know more about ginger, seems like, um, than they do other things. But um, yeah, there's there's so many. Rosemary, rosemary is often overlooked, but it is so powerful. It increases circulation in the body, increases circulation to the brain, which is why it helps with memory. But it's also a good cold and flu remedy as well. I mean, rosemary has helped me fight off many colds and flus. And it's just something that's overlooked all the time. So I'd love to chat about their application because me... 10 years ago, I'd be like, okay, Sage, I'd, be, I'd, I'd stop this, I'd go back, I'd write down all the things you said, and then I would totally, not intentionally, little June, but disrespect the plants, throw a bunch in a concoction, and then probably do something myself. So an example for me is oregano oil, and it's real hip, hip right now. And I had um, herbalists say, like, you know, don't really take your probiotics while you're taking your oregano oil, because it flushes everything out so intensely and um, people don't realize how powerful it is. It used to give me diarrhea and that only one drop is enough, at least for someone like me, hypersensitive. Um, for example, with the sage, I know that different plants in different forms help with different things. So if they have the dried sage and the little shaker, um, you know, how, or should they use the 
a fresh sage and how should they use it for hot flashes, maybe. So, so a tea uh, usually is the best way to, to use sage if you're going to use it like that. And you can use it fresh or dried. Um, dried sage is going to be a little bit stronger. You know, you take about a teaspoon of dried sage to a cup of hot water. Um, fresh sage, I just throw a few leaves in a cup. I mean, there's really no measuring <laughs> with that. I just, you know, throw a few leaves in a cup, cover it with hot water and let it steep for about five minutes. But yes, reverence to the plant is definitely important. You know, think about the spirit of that plant as you're, as you're uh, preparing it for tea and, you know, thank it for its medicine because it's a gift. And that will alchemize how the experience is in their body, I believe, with that reverence. Um, and also, you know, if people get all excited, I think this is more when it comes into, you know, message Heidi and do a consultation or look at her services, but I've experienced my own <laughs> uh, trial and error not to mix certain things. Um, you know, and I would never have thought just a teaspoon of the dried sage and that the dried sage could be stronger. And I, I think that some of us we don't know the power of certain things and we abuse them and then we just say, oh, that's not for me, rather than just getting educated and seeing that we have specific underlying issues and that things need to be taken into account. And that's why I'd suggest that they would consult with you. But um, I, I think certain herbs shouldn't be mixed together. What would you say? Um. Yes, yes, I think you're definitely right. You want to always look at, well, what actions are you looking for, right? Some herbs can support other ones in, in doing their job, and other herbs will contradict that action. So you want to kind of think about what your purpose is, and then you want to look at the properties of the herbs you know, some herbs are drying, some herbs are moistening. So if you're trying to dry something out in your body, you wouldn't want to add moistening herbs, right? If it, I mean, you might want to add a little bit of soothing herbs to soothe the drying action. But I mean, it's just all about, it's. you have to look at the energetics of the plants as well. And so, yes, working with a, an herbalist is is a good idea. But also I have found that you know, if you're, if you're just looking, if you're using common garden herbs, like we were talking about the rosemary and the sage, they're, they're very safe. You know, you're not going to OD if you're making a sage tea, you know, <laughs> but however, I don't personally, I don't take oils. Oils are a totally different thing. Essential oils, um, it can be very dangerous, you yeah. know, so you have to be very careful with essential oils. People don't realize how strong they are. Well, I'm glad we're going there because that's all we really need right now. And that's where I got my oregano oil tincture because there's a lot of articles being written in magazines, oregano oil, oregano oil. So then people go to Whole Foods or even better, just a nap, just like a basic grocery store and they see oregano. And um, I've just felt that it's very, very powerful um, for the digestive track. And um how it can be antiviral. And, and so um, essential oils, because of the um, concentration of the herb, can be 
very intense. Very intense. And, you know, a lot of people were getting into, well, I'm just going to put a few drops of peppermint oil in my water. And I said, I don't think, you know, I tell people, I don't think you realize that just one drop of peppermint oil is the equivalent to about 100 cups of peppermint tea. Would you ever sit down and drink that much tea in one sitting? No, you wouldn't. Your body is not equipped for that. It, it doesn't, it's, it's, uh, you know, you might think it's just one little drop, but it's so highly con concentrated. It's just have some peppermint tea. You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't need to use the oil, use the oil externally or, or diffuse it, but don't take it inside your body. Well, I have an example of that, which might be peppermint. And my friend is a, an incredible advocate of oils. And we were just chatting, having a meeting. And um, I had some pain or something. And I'm very highly sensitive. And she said, like, put some, uh, maybe it was peppermint oil. And, and so I, you know me, I just drove it really fast, put it all this oil. Oh, I was like, I can't keep my eyes open. I, I started to like my whole body. It was like I am very easily parasympathetic mode turned on. Like we need the regenerative processes now, and I just easily fall asleep. Um, and she's like, "Okay, get coconut oil, get coconut oil." So I ran, and I was just like rubbing and trying to elude it. Um, but I'm very, very happy we're starting our chat with not taking herbs lightly. And, and I think that we can even get into this topic of um, the standard American diet and what's happening with our food system as well with how we've taken food lightly and now we have this ob obesity, you know, epidemic we have this diabetes blood sugar autoimmune disease all of these different issues on the rise because we took food lightly as well as oh, yeah i mean the standard american diet is sad right i mean it is really sad um first of all you know too many people out there eating too many processed foods i mean if it's in a box <laughs> and it has a hundred ingredients it's not likely good for you, you know, and I, I realize people uh, have busy lives and they might not think they have time to cook from scratch, but there are ways that you can do it that are easy. There's Instapot now, there's Crock-Pots. Um, it's easier than you think to cook from scratch. And I, I always tell my clients, um, eat as close to mother nature as, as food, as it was intended. The least ingredients is the best. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We just take and and people often don't realize the connection between what we put in our body and how we feel and our health, right? For some reason there's this disconnect there. And it's like, look, when you eat something, it's literally building your cells. You know, it takes about 35 days, but that food is going to end up a part of your body. It's building, it's a building block. It's it's building your cells. So when you're consuming something, think about that. You know, do you want red number 40 in your body? Do you want, you know, artificial sweeteners and flavors? I mean, some of the things that people consider food to me aren't food at all. I mean, not at all. And so, yeah, you need to think about that. What you eat is directly affecting your health. 
Yes, and I had a client with HSV-1, the cold sores, which 90% of our society have. And I was chatting with a colleague, a doctor, and um, she was saying, well, you know, don't tell her not to eat foods rich in arginine. You know, she needs more lysine-rich, you know, arginine-rich foods, which the precursor to arginine production are dairy, red meat, chocolate, and um, she can easily shift that with carob, you know, with tofu if she doesn't have um, estrogen issues, as well as um, coconut or dairy alternatives. And the shift that she hasn't had for many months in supplementing with other supplements. But very curious because the food is literally the precursor to chemical, neurochemical, as well as hormone production. And it's like, Somehow we just skipped over it in our understanding. And I love that you're saying what we eat directly affects how we feel. Being at my parents' house um, where they, they're staying, um, I eat chips with my mom. And she is a different blood type, different system completely than me. And I cannot eat a lot of starches or carbs because I get tired and brain foggy. And I love it because the third day, on the dot yesterday i'm just tired all day brain fogged and and i know exactly why but for me i don't metabolize them as easily and so it's always fun for me to feel oh this is why i don't do that especially at the beginning of the year um and as a kid i never knew you know i had a lot of attention issues a lot of um add and different things like sitting down to focus, I all had so much brain fog, I was so tired, and we had no idea that diet correlated to that for the individual children who are trying to really focus. Um, and so I'm really happy that we went there because um, food is <laughs> a foundation for your body to be able to re receive the benefit of herbs <laughs> um, if the machinery is not working right. Oh, you're so right about that. Let's talk about that a minute. Um, if you're going to go the natural route with healing, right? If you're going to heal anything and you want to use herbs, the foundation really needs to be your diet. Because if your diet is bad and you throw sprinkle in a little herbs, that's, that's not going to work, right? Your food is actually the foundation for your healing. Herbs are supportive, yes. But herbs are not going to work as well if you don't support it with a good diet that's just the plain facts you know i mean you have to you have to eat well that is the foundation for healing and and that supports herbal therapy you know and the bane of our society is actually it's really sugar i mean sugar not only leaches vitamins and minerals out of your system it suppresses your immunity even just a teaspoon of sugar can suppress your immune system for 24 hours it's just, it's awful stuff. It feeds cancer cells. I mean, if there's one thing I tell my clients to take out of their diet, it's it's sugar. I mean, we have the other culprits too. You know, you don't want to eat too much red meat, but some people need red meat. I'm one of those people. I do eat meat. I eat very high quality meat and I don't, don't eat it every meal, but I'm the kind of person that needs meat. I was a vegetarian for about three years and I felt worse than I've ever felt <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, why am I on the supposed healthiest diet in the world? And this is when I was in my twenties, it was, it was 20 some years ago, 
but I feel faint all the time. I just feel cold all the time. I feel like crap. And well, it just wasn't the right diet for me. It wasn't the right diet for my constitution. So that's another thing with diet is that you, each one of us has individual constitution. So what is healthy for you might not be healthy for me. And that's, you have to take that into consideration too. And along with ancestry, right? If your ancestors have been eating a certain way for generations, then it's likely that you have evolved to be able to eat the way your ancestors have eaten, even though it's not typically healthy, like in Ayurveda. We don't, we don't, meat and cheese is not something that you should really typically eat together in Ayurveda. It doesn't digest well together. But if your ancestors have been eating that for generations, then you have probably evolved to be able to handle that better than somebody who hasn't been eating that way for generations. I love it. And it was definitely a foundation of the birth of this work, especially interviewing as well as the individual client work I do. There's not one path to God. There's not one right flavor of wellness. And I make these huge charts cross-referencing their metabolic type, their ancestral type, their blood type, and their food sensitivities, as well as a hormone profile. And we just cross-reference everything for their nutrition plan because I was a victim. I wanted to be a cool, tall, thin, blonde yogi girl. I'm hypermobile, which means my organs are hypermobile, which means I don't digest plant protein well. Veganism did not satiate and nourish. I was protein deficient, all these other things, the issues that I was having. And I was so bummed. And I have a lot of amazing reflections in my world. And I love like what you said, you're like, vegetarianism wasn't my grind, you know, and I have a lot of clients who are like, they wish they were growing into elephants, but they are gorgeous giraffes. And they're like, but why can't I be you know, eating like these girls that go to these juice bars and are vegan and raw um, and tall and lean. It's like, because you have a different gift. And um, it's its really hard to accept. I, I definitely resonate. And I was frustrated. But once I started to live out my design, first through diet, and I love what you said, because I actually really feel for people who don't realize their diet is the foundation for their organ function and their ability to detox and eliminate and the, any hereditary issues will be exposed if they're not eating a proper diet. And I feel sad because I see people buying these really expensive, uh, an example is collagen. You know, collagen to actually produce collagen, we should be implementing things like silica or liposomal vitamin C. Collagen isn't going to make more collagen. We need the precursors for collagen development. Something like ashwagandha, you know, but eating a lot of fast food, a lot of processed food, a really busy mom doing her best and then doing her ashwagandha every morning and feeling like a failure and not knowing that it's just because her engine isn't running right to begin with giving it, you know, a great herb. And so it's frightening at first because people think it's going to like take their whole lives, but taking three to six months to reset the way to do it. And it's my passion. It's what I do is so worth it because they'll save so much money. And so what I'd love to get into now is what you've seen with pharmaceuticals and, and what we chatted about a little bit before um, we went live and, in terms of, you were saying the word, the cost. 
Right. So, well, right. So pharmaceuticals, and, and I'm not here to tell anybody to stop taking their pharmaceuticals, right? No. So let's just make that clear. No. But oftentimes um, with pharmaceuticals, there is a big price to pay. There's harsh side effects, right? And we were talking about um, drugs for depression specifically before we started and how they can uh, make you feel like an emotional zombie. So here, okay, so you're not depressed anymore, but you're basically flatlined. You can't feel love. You can't feel joy. That is not a cure, all right? That is not a cure. And I, I realize, and this is true, sometimes people need pharmaceuticals so that they can, they can get to a point where they might be able to start doing some other type of healing, right? If that's an extreme, if it's an extreme case. But um, from, from my own perspective and, and from my own experience, pharmaceuticals oftentimes uh, have far worse effects than, than the original um, disease or illness or dysfunction. Um, and so for me, pharmaceuticals would be the last resort, all right? So first you start here with your diet and your herbal support and lifestyle changes and you 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 go that way and then if you are finding that you still cannot fix what is wrong then then maybe it's time to look at some other alternative methods but from my experience pharmaceuticals are not the answer people want a quick fix and that's why they turn to them um but you're going to pay a bigger price in the end yeah and taking the time when you're out of your life to shift your diet and then starting to enhance your vitality, your hormones, your liver, your heart, your neurochemistry with herbs completely reset so that things don't have to get that bad because the machine is already running well that, um, you know, that preventional care. I don't know why people, we've been fed acute care only and I had the exact example taking SSRIs, taking inhibitors, Prozac, all other things as well, and a lot of ADD medications. And I'll give one, one more example. Um, for example, I had with pharmaceuticals, but I sat in front of the doctor in a white coat, the authority figure, and said, well, I don't feel anything. I kind of feel numb. She said, that means it's working. <laughs> If anyone who knew me was trying to convince me my sensitivity was my superpower, and I thought I was a victim of it. I thought I will trade anything for my sensitivity. And then I started to later on have more healthy relationships and realize I didn't have any sex drive. I couldn't have an orgasm until I was like 25. And they didn't tell me. A psychiatrist said, well, you know, SSRIs really affect your sex drive they affect your ability to climax and so there's a lot of things I, I didn't know and then acne medicines and um certain antibiotics kind of start to ruin the gut villi in our intestines and dull the gut villi and then we start to have issues because we're trying to digest things just with the uh, internal <laughs> internal intestines and then we start to have 
leaks and breaks and get leaky gut because we don't realize the side effects of these um, these pharmaceutical drugs and what they're doing to the organ tissue. And then three years I've been trying to repair my gut because I don't make a lot of HCL and you need to digest animal protein. So it's just been such an interesting journey and not any of our parents' faults. They did the best they could. And the meat, cheese, and wheat they were eating 30 years ago was different than ours now. You're definitely right about that. You're definitely right. Um, I, I really believe that it's not wheat in itself that is the problem. It is what they have done with the wheat that is the problem. The way that it's grown, the genetically modified seeds and the chemicals that they use on the, well, I'll give you my own example. I had gut issues and I couldn't eat wheat for a long, long time. I had to heal my gut and I can eat wheat now, but it has to be organic and it has to be sprouted wheat because if I eat anything else then I have issues and you know I've I've known people that went to Europe right they don't allow Monsanto in Europe they go to Europe they can eat all the bread over there they want then they come back to the United and they no symptoms then they come to the United States they start eating bread here and they have flare-ups I mean what does that tell you exactly and I know parents of kids with autism, attention issues, and they are seeing these incredible shifts in symptoms with diet. But people say, you know, well, my, that's not my kid. They don't have to have extreme issues. And then they wait till their teens when their hormones start to fire and other variables in their body. And then all oh, why, why is my kid having these issues all of a sudden? Well, they don't have the framework and the foundation for their machinery to run well. And you know, the precursors for this chemical development, a dear friend who runs floral energetics um, and is an herbalist was diagnosed with celiac disease and now eats wheat. But it's exactly the same story. She healed her gut and it wasn't, it was a certain kind of wheat. Cause I wonder, you know, my grandmothers who um, on my Jewish side, not my Mayflower side, they make challah every Friday and had no issues. And now the challah that I eat definitely causes issues. The puffiness, the bloating, the fog. And yes. it's kind of sad. And I, I'm going to start researching, you know, healthier way to do a challah recipe. Um, you, that's a good idea. And you can grind your own flour. You know, you can get einkorn wheat is an heirloom uh, variety of wheat. And you can get your own wheat berries and grind your own flour. And you should anyway, because flour goes bad very quickly on the shelf. Um, and so it's best if you can grind your own. And then if you, if you sprout it, if you sprout it, that's even better. I, I try and eat only sprouted things, but I haven't really eaten wheat. I'm trying, I'm, I'm using the Vitamix and I'm doing sprouted oats and making oat flour in the Oh, Vitamix. wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, it, it still saddens me a little bit. I'll never be able to have my grandmother's exact recipe. And it, I mean, it's okay. It's a little sad, but do you mind explaining um, the definition of heirloom? So heirloom is is older varieties of plants, usually a hundred years or more. Um, that you know, before genetic modification came in. I mean, we did have hybrids and stuff, but um, heirlooms are are 
just older varieties of plants. Yeah, like the original the original varieties, huh? It's a trendy word, so I always love to hear definitions. It is. It is a very trendy word. I mean, I, I grow heirloom vegetables every year in my garden, and some heirlooms aren't as old as others, you know. Um, but uh, I, I just believe that heirloom uh, plants are healthier than the ones that have been genetically modified. Definitely. I was doing an interview last week, I think it was, and um, maybe the week before, with a woman who started farming a farming box company in LA and helping people still get fresh non-GMO biodynamic farm veggies in LA right now during the pandemic explained to me that a farmer explained to her and other research she's done, you know, these pesticides on the plants that we're eating is like taking a round of antibiotics for our gut completely wiping out our gut flora and just so curious it's just so wild i'm loving our interview i mean i'm this is like a light up um but i'd love to dive into ayurveda for and someone like me isn't as educated on that vein of uh, medicine and yes I, what it is how people can. well ayurveda is a traditional indian medicine um from India, it's about 5,000 years old. And it's really just, it's really a blueprint for living according to your unique constitution. You know, if life had a user's guide, Ayurveda would be it. And the thing that I love about Ayurveda is it's not just one thing, it's so many things. It's, it's the food you eat, it's herbs, but it's also gem therapy. Um, it's also using elements like the moon and sun for healing. Um, it's got a branch of astrology, uh, Jyotish, Vedic astrology. Um, so there's just so much uh, uh, in Ayurveda. It's, it's really an amazing discipline. Wow. And I was asking Heidi if we could use me and my partner as an example, even though she hasn't done this, we're going to do consultations with her after this um, interview. I'm stuck on here. Here we go. Um, in terms of, because these doshas are thrown around and I don't know the definitions of them, but I was chatting with Heidi, you know, my friend says she can drink coffee in some areas, but she can't drink coffee in other areas. And she's an herbalist and, she was saying, you know, her internal constitution feels crispy. She drinks coffee in a certain climate. And I was like, oh, well, Sterling, my partner, when he goes to Oregon, the Oregon coast, he has a part of his soul like returning to him. A whole part of him becomes calm, at ease. And he has six fire in his um, science chart out of the nine or ten elements Um in Western astrology. And then when I go to Oregon or anywhere damp, I get cold to the bone, very kind of depressed, kind of inward. And I love to be near the, the dry desert. And in Western astrology, I have three water, three air, no, three water, three fire, three earth, one air. And we were just kind of throwing things around, but she said, well, you might be this dosha. And 
if you were using yourself as an example, you were saying, if I get hot, I get, I overheat easily and I get irritated. And I'm like, that's just like Sterling. So I was like, let's dive into this a little bit in the interview about just the basics around uh, doshas and that people can come to you for their particular. Yeah. Well, so doshas. So um, we know, right, that everything in the universe is made up of elements, right? And in Ayurveda, those elements, um, we are also made out of those elements. And they are earth, fire, water, air, and then ether or spirit. So each one of us is born with a certain amount of each element. Some people are born with more fire, right? That would be pitta. And some people are born with more air. That would be vata. And some people are born with more earth. And that would be kapha. And kapha is a mixture of water and earth. And pitta is fire and water. Vata is air. So, um, you know, depending on what your unique... Uh, makeup is, then you use that as kind of a blueprint for the healthiest, you know, where you should live, you know, what climate is best for you, what foods are best for you, what practices are best for you, um, and even what careers are best for you. Like Pitta, for instance, I'm a Pitta and that is fire. And um, I'm naturally very well, what you would call a type A personality, right? And I'm very hard on myself and I'm very driven and it's not healthy for me to be in a career that has a lot of stress or deadlines um, and you know pressure because that will, that will set off a pitta imbalance in me. I need something that's more calming, um, more calming environment, not a lot of stress, not a lot of deadlines. <laughs> Um, but you know, some people like Kafa people can handle that really well. Kafas are more grounded and earthy and, and, um, they're able to handle those things better. So Ayurveda really is a blueprint for living according to your elemental dosha. I love it. How you said it will set off a temperament imbalance, but that also will affect metabolism, nervous system, you know, the entire, your temperature. <laughs> um, so I love that because we don't want to be in balance and we don't realize that just, you know, in coaching, just seeing someone shift their jobs, shift their relationship, kind of person that has expectations on them will completely shift their health. Um, and and I really, I'm excited. I'm excited to learn more about Ayurveda. And I love that you aren't, you know, a strict, hardcore meat works for you, but yet you can still use all the benefits of Ayurveda. Because I know a lot of people and my friends from India don't eat meat. They kind of curse beef sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think finding a way to mix all the variables and be flexible is most important on the healing I think it is flexible, but you know, in India, cows are sacred. They do not eat beef in India. Um, but the warrior class uh, in in India always ate meat. You know, it mm. was yes, the warrior class ate meat because it makes you strong. Um, and my teacher taught me that because I was having a real spiritual conflict about having to eat meat, and she said the warrior class always ate meat, Heidi. And wow. she's like, you're just from the warrior class. Wow. Okay. I get that. I really do. I, I, I 
I understand. And I do eat beef. I eat it with reverence. I, I thank the animal. But uh, for me, red meat works, you know. For others, it wouldn't. Yeah. Do you know why the cow is sacred? We're different theories for different. You know, I I don't. I don't really know why they consider the cow sacred. Um, My bigger of milk. Yeah, he he had this awareness when we were eating um, grass fed, grass finished uh, from our friend Wyatt's ranch beef. We did slow cooked, and he was just standing in the kitchen, like I think I know why beef is sacred. The cow is so present. The cow is so calm. And, you know, he's like, I feel it when I ingest it. And that, that is one of the highest principles, I believe, on any spiritual journey is that presence, steadiness, grounded, you know. And so we were, we were chatting about it. I, I've heard a couple different examples, but there was always this kind of emotional judgment. So sometimes that would cloud me from being able to hear them. Um, but I know I'll meet someone soon who's very calm to explain why not to eat beef. Yeah. Um, do you have any example? Go ahead. I'm sorry, what did you say? I, I, I was going to ask a different question, but we can stay on this topic. Oh, I was just, I just wanted to add to that. You said um, that he feels very calm. He can feel that. That, that he would not feel that way if he ate meat that was slaughtered in the in the wrong way just because when when a cow is not raised the right way any animal and then it goes through trauma at the time of death you're going to take that in when you eat the meat and so you have to consider that and a lot of times when the farmers care enough about the meat to raise it right they also care enough to slaughter it right yes i'm very interested in um regenerative agriculture and keeping the animals in the loop and watching a, it was like a special preview documentary a couple months ago, Sacred Cow. And these farmers, some of them were vegetarian and became farmers of cow and um, of beef and uh, different animals. Um, they said, you know, we take every day of their lives and take care of them. And then the last day we have no, ability to figure out what happens. And they started this new um, processing center that really killed them with reverence with Temple Grandin's uh, methodologies and such. And I wanna have chickens one day and I'm very interested in the kosher and um, I'm not gonna say the correct kosher word for Muslim butchering. It's, it's missed, I'm losing it in my mind. Cult. No, I can't remember it, but I watch these processing videos of chicken and how to do it properly. And I get really excited. Sterling makes these jokes, but I was sitting with a Tao master, one of my teachers many years ago at dinner. And he said, this wasn't killed right. The lamb in front of him, you could just feel it because he was very in tune and, and you could taste it. You could feel it. And I was kind of like, whoa, we're at a really fancy restaurant, you know? And um, I was thanking him for something or took him out to dinner, but he could feel it and sense it. And um, he definitely ate meat, but it's very interesting in tune. Um, and like their flesh, if there's a lot of hormones or other chemicals as well as um, antibiotics used, we'll ingest that. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. And once you start eating really well, and, you know, especially if you're on a spiritual path, like your master um, or your teacher, you can, you do start to sense those kind of things. And, and like, for, for instance, with me, I can actually smell beef that was raised, you know, standing in its own shit up to its knees. I can smell that on the meat and I can sense it from a mile away. I, and I, I just don't understand how people can put that up close to their face and not smell it and not sense it. Um, so yeah, it's, Kiss the Ground is a great documentary. Sacred Cow is a great documentary. Start educating yourselves if you guys are interested in this topic. Um, I would love to move to the topic of how you use aspects of shamanism in your work and how you would describe shamanism to someone who's interested in looking for a shamanic guide like yourself and um, what issues make that, may that person be struggling with that could benefit from guidance. Shamanism is is another example of um, living in harmony with the elements in the spiritual world, right? Because we know we're more than just this body. And in shamanism, there's this belief that if you have something wrong physically, it usually started in your spiritual body first, and then it manifested into your physical body. And so shamanism is is really a, a good way to deal with and figure out mental, emotional, and spiritual illnesses. And how I use shamanism is to pick up on that when somebody comes to me with a physical thing wrong, and then I might sit with them and I might do some some journeying or some energy work and, and say, oh, okay, so um, you might have some guilt around something that you did or maybe somebody is sending you bad energy like you know somebody is jealous of you and they're sending you bad energy and that can actually you know have an effect on your health i mean there's just there's just shamanism allows us to look at the spiritual side of illness is really what it is i love it and um i have to down and say that there's it attests to how you take care of your instrument to be a great channel. I, many years ago, when I was very, very disciplined in the Tao uh, dojo and diet and everything, my brother sat in front of me like, what have you been learning? And I kind of read his mind and his system and I could feel his body and mind. He's like, she read me like a book. You know, I never <laughs> believed in this stuff. And um, still aspects of that is in my work, but, I don't think I don't feel ready to do it at the extreme that I was doing it because of the devotion it takes to kind of prepare and clean the instrument, maybe in my older years. But I have to honor you and, and, and curious on your opinion, too, with others that might be interested in this work that to take care of the vessel, to really be able to connect a tune with um someone in front of you is the first step, in my opinion. Oh, it is. So taking care of yourself first and making sure that you're pure and your intentions are pure and your mind is pure. Um, and then being able to connect with somebody that deep on that deep energetic level, um, it requires 100% of your attention, you know, 100% of your attention focused on 
that person. And, you know, uh, some people that come to me don't, um, they don't even realize that I do the shamanism stuff, right? And I've had clients in my office where I've picked up on things from that world. And I'm unsure, like maybe they came to me for a chakra balancing session or an energy, just an energy healing session. And I've picked up on things and I'm unsure whether or not I should say them to her, to the, to the client, because I don't know if she'll be receptive to hearing that. Um, and, and then also it's very easily in shamanism to wonder if things aren't just coming from your own mind, you know, and uh, it, you know, is this really a message from, from spirit or am I making this up? And what I have found with that is 100% of the time, if I say it because it's there, that is an authentic message for the person on the other end. And a lot of times my clients will be like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? Or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, well, it, because I was tuned into spirit. Yes. But yeah, you're right. Taking care of your own vessel. And then if you're going to do that kind of work, being able to cleanse yourself afterwards as well. So you don't take in whatever energy you're working with and, and have that attached to you. It's a very strict discipline. And I don't really take it lightly personally because of, I don't like to use the word con artist because everyone's in their own experience of reality, but the women and the men that I know who take it very seriously, there's a like a lifestyle of dedication of before, after, preparation, you know, having bigger lives, sometimes families and other responsibilities is sometimes harder. And people don't know what the inside of that person's life has to look like to prepare themselves to be that kind of vessel. But then at the same time, I believe people can have families and can, you know, be of this world and do that work. I don't believe people have to Definitely. live in the mountain, but um, I take it with a lot of reverence and honor because um, we do live in a litigious society, sadly, and people love to do lawsuits and things when people get very famous and big and, you know, they want to go after people who have impacted a lot of people and followed a vision or a dream. And so um, it's a really exciting time that we're in though. I have to say that things from the East, the word shamanism, different elders that I have from the native traditions that we're wanting to go back to what we always were, which was we're all from tribes of the land the Jewish, the patriarchal traditions, they were all, you know, tribes of the land, not just the native or South American tribes. And so that we want to commune with spirit, that we want to commune with the body and our nature, it's, it's erupting, it's awakening happening during this time. And it's exciting. Um, but I had to share my many feelings about it all. Yeah, it's, it is a very exciting time. And um, for me, you know, when I, when I think of shamanism, I, I think of my ancestral line, which is Siberian, Scandinavian shamanism. And, um, you know, for me, shamanism is something that has kind of evolved naturally in my life. It, even as a small child, I was, you know, uh, felt a huge connection with the natural world and, um, I was kind of an odd child, let's just put it that way. And so 
um, when I started, when I got older and realized that, you know, certain things were happening to me or I was experiencing certain things, um, I started to explore that a little bit. And that's, that's what led to, led to the shamanism. And I am, you know, and then I decided, okay, so this just is something that naturally comes to me. And I believe it naturally is in all of us, by the way. Some of us are just better tuned into it than others, you know, but we all have these abilities. I decided to get some formal training in it just because I wanted to, to, uh, well, I was just so curious, you know, and normally in an indigenous society, right, you would have, you would study under somebody, an elder, and, you know, um, that's always been my, my personal dream is to, to find an elder to study under, but it's hard in this day and age in this society, but I did find somebody to study under and I'm currently studying under her and, and, um, you know, I'm learning way more than I could have learned on my own. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah you're right. It's, it, it is a, it is a lifestyle and you can be of this world, right? You can be integrated, um, and have family and still be a very spiritual person. Yes. Um, yes. And I, I don't, personally believe in depend on the person's circumstance and what they need separating from the family to discover our own vibration i think is individuation part of the psychological <laughs> evolution but you know disowning the family completely some people have to but i don't believe that i believe that we can make peace and honor even if my parents live differently or have even sometimes some different values or, that I honor each being in their road to God and, or the road to the unknown. And, and so um, it's all just a part of the cycle. I got really excited when you said, you know, I was kind of an odd child or had an odd childhood, something like that. Because what I've heard from different native elders is that in the tribe, there was a place for everyone. Someone was a little bit on the spectrum. They would be taken to the shaman and trained from an early age sometimes like, oh, you have what we call autism or we sometimes isolate or, you know, push people to the edge of society. Sometimes those people at early ages would be taken and shown that their sensitivity was a gift and cultivated and given a roadmap of how to, you know, some kids who are extremely sensitive, it's like they're re being raised by monkeys, not humans to see how they can develop their potential. One of my mentors says that, and it's not their fault their parents fault either and so I um I think I become cautious because I see a lot of young people I can safely say you're a little older than me <laughs> if you've been doing this for 20 20 some years I'm in my late 20s um and when they're young you know rearing young bucks ready to go that in the elder tradition my elders are quick to tell me you know you bow down and don't be too cocky because you've got to earn. And, and I got thrown off a cliff two years ago <laughs> to slow me down. But any dojo, any um, karate studio, any native elder, there is initiation. There is time. There is literal brain development. We aren't fully cooked till we're 26 as females. A lot of males, 30, you know, and the, the elders know and they're harsh because that's not the instant gratification life we live in. So why would kids want to go train that way? 
because that's humbling the ego, <laughs> ego death all day and waiting. No, you shouldn't do this to your 40. Or you should, and so kids don't want to hear that. They want to be an instant Instagram star. And it takes a lot of reverence and patience. And uh, I think a lot of, a lot of this culture in the U.S., I can only speak for, we've lost some of that. Uh, because we want to be famous overnight, not realizing the chieftains who have the big and you know native um, headdresses are given those eagle feathers through their good deeds, and that doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> um, so it's a really, really important topic in my heart because of my own fast pace, you know, quick to the, you know, race line mentality that I had. And the many taps on the head I had to have from older people, and um, and sometimes I wish we didn't have to gain scars to learn. Oh, I yes, I I understand that, and I understand too that you know we we live in such a fast paced world. We do want overnight success, and we want to learn. We want to learn all there is to know in just a matter of minutes, and it just doesn't work like that with especially with what we're talking about it's a journey it's a lifetime journey it is a lifetime journey and you never stop learning you never stop learning and humbleness is good humbleness is is a necessity yeah because there'll be certain times for certain things and i think we don't always know to hear that yeah and admitting when you don't know the answers that's an important thing in our profession too you don't know something you don't know i mean you've got to just be able to be okay with not knowing everything. And right? when I first started practicing, some of my mentors said, well, you need a wisdom council. You're not going to have a board of directors or something like that. And they said, you know, each one said, you need to know your limitation to when you'll refer someone out like any other medical professional would. And exactly. I think, you know, Google or other things or with lots of ego, sometimes people don't want know their limitations and um and i love this conversation because i i think anyone who's really interested in herbalism uh can hear things can feel things i i i didn't have many gifts with animals or other things but i i kind of heard plants since i was little and I, this is the third time i've ever saying this out loud in public um i told one of my mentors and my partner the other week He's like, you can hear plants? And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of quieted it because of, it's like weird. Or uh, anyone who is interested in this work, I think this conversation we just had about shamanism is extremely important because it's become a very trending word. It is a very trendy word. And I don't even like using it, to tell you the truth. It, it turns me off uh, because it's overused and taken so lightly. Yes, yes. And... Since we're on the topic of plants and their medicinal uses, the issues of people wanting to have an overnight change and not doing the everyday work to shift, um, who want to go do an ayahuasca ceremony, for example, my dear colleague and older sister type figure, Amber Sears, would take people to do ayahuasca ceremonies. And she was seeing some of the saddest things happening in South America with people who want to make money and give people the thrills that they want to experience on ayahuasca that that plant is going to only give you <laughs> what you're ready for, what you need. 
would be adding LSD, Molly, all of these things so people could get white, like fireworks and then rape was happening too, you know, in these circles and because people were into, and so a lot of issues that go on um, with these words, uh, shamanism and, you know, these plant, these ceremonies and, and not to say not to investigate because I believe I mean, I don't know if this is intense to say, but sadly, where you're resonating at is what you'll attract and you'll learn quickly however you need to learn. Some of us learn in a harsh ways, but, you know, example, Heidi is someone you could connect with. I can connect with other people as well that um, work with integrity. Yes, there's, you know what, there's a lot of people out there that don't work with integrity. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of false false prophets, let's just call them. And, you know, people, people that are looking for the big show are going to fall for that every single time. And it's really sad. And it's really sad that there's people like that out there, but there are. And, you know, if you're going to do something, the only thing I can say is do your research on the people if you can. Yeah. And I had to learn in my own journey that, when I kind of came to the end of learning from a certain group, the way that I had to kind of pull apart the word integrity. And, and I came up with my definition of like integrity is integrated values. Their values actually ended up being a different than mine, different country, different ethics, different values and integrated. Their integrity was a bit different than mine at the end of my studying with them and learning, oh, okay, I've reached the end of my road with this place and learn some good things learn some things I don't want to repeat but I'd love to end. I just had so much fun I feel like we have had no time go by we've been so in it present um with chatting about what your definition of healing would be a, me a metaphor a description um to help people start to approach their blockages and transformation in a different way since we've been chatting about healing and I always love to hear different practitioners help people start to approach healing in a different, with a different lens. My definition of healing. And what you've seen on your journey and how you engage with the word healing now, how you approach it. Well, my definition of health, we can start with that. My definition of health is that you're able to be joyful, that you're able to be, have energy and vitality, and that you're able to think with clarity, have a clear mind. And yeah, so those, those are, you know, the joy, the clarity, the energy, the vitality, that, that is health. Okay, so healing in, its, in itself, the healing journey might be unpleasant at times. You know, you can be healing and, and feel awful because you're healing. <laughs> It's not always pleasant. You know, it's not rainbows and unicorns all the time. Sometimes you got to go through some sludge and some muck. Um, so my version of healing is, it could be it, it, tears. It could be a release. It, it's a transformation. It's, it's um, well, knowing that there's a light at the end of this tunnel, right? That you're here in this at the point A, but you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're shedding and you're releasing and you're transforming. 
I love that. I love it. I love everyone. Everyone has a different definition, but I think we need more definitions. We need more examples. We need more flavors because I think people get discouraged in a practitioner and example of someone who's led people through a lot of different healing can help people see and engage with it in a different light. Definitely. And anger too. Anger and sadness might be two things that you experience huge when you're healing, you know, those raw emotions that need to come out and come up and be fully felt and be fully released. You know, it's very common, very common things. I love that. Well, I don't know if there's anything you can end on with your work, um, with anything that's come up today in our chat, um, or that's on your heart still. Um, I've just been so blessed to be able to visit with you, June. I've had so much fun um, being able to talk about these things that are my heart and soul. It's just my heart and soul. Yeah, and, and I love that you use the word mentor mentoring you know and and that's real old school I don't know if you do any mentoring with people who want to take this path deeper and find a mentor to start to learn uh because it's a very different engaging when it comes to learning being mentored and doing an online course which I have no issue with but um if you want to chat about um the list of your services where to find you what people might be suffering with that they can come to you for help? Yeah, so um, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Sister Moon Healing Arts or on Facebook, Sister Moon Herbal Apothecary in Ayurveda, or I have a website, Sister Moon Ayurveda. Um, you can reach me on any of those sites. I work a lot with women specifically, um, menstrual irregularities, anxiety, depression. Um, A lot of people come to me actually just saying, hey, I don't feel as good as I could. You know, I feel sluggish. I don't have any energy. What is up? I just want to feel better. That that is actually one of the most common scenarios (laughs) that I see when people come to me. They don't know what's wrong. They just know that they're not feeling as good as they should. Um, I do a lot of work for people on an emotional, spiritual level. Um, you know, people will come to me for energy healing or, or chakra balancing or clearing. Uh, maybe they're experiencing, like I said, anxiety and depression is a very common one that people come to me with a lot. Um, So those are the services I offer, Uh, wellness consultations, herbal consultations is actually a part of the wellness consultation um, and the shamanic and energy healing. So exciting. And what I love is, you know, what you just described there is what anyone would go to their local medicine man for. You know, I, I think the training that a lot of medicine women and men would go through is pretty broad and when I would take herbalism classes the amount that herbalists know about the internal system the words that I've never even heard scientists use around the trachea to the lungs to the tissue I mean I wish more people would would hear (laughs) Um, because it's an older 
medicinal science than anything else we have. We, we know that these herbalists know more about the lungs and the liver and what's happening. And like you said, the action of the plants to, to the uh, organs. And so it's just very exciting. And I thank you so much for your time, your energy, you being an example of someone who lives with joy and vitality and uh, people probably just seeing like, okay, she knows what's going on. She's able to keep it together most of the time. How do I get some of that? <laughs> um, the reflection of your character. Thank you all so much for watching. This is Embassy Wellness, the personal, local, global wellness show. I'm June Sindesi. You can find me at Sindesi Wellness. And today was a great day with Heidi. Thank you. Thank you so much, June. The real fundamental you, you, you. Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Sindesi Wellness. Hosts the personal, local,